0: episode of FedWatch. We finally got our ish together, so apologize for the live viewers uh, who uh, had to go through a couple minutes of technical delays here, but we like to ad-lib, and we have one of the best Dylan LeClaire giving us and dropping knowledge. Uh, For this episode of FedWatch, we're going to be diving into uh, Dylan and Sam Rule's deep dive monthly report of last month, as well as what's pretty much unfolded throughout the beginning of December. Uh, we also have a bunch of updates around macro and other headlines uh, in global politics. So uh, without further ado, Ansel, welcome to the show. How you doing, my man?
1: Good. I finally got my camera working. I think that was my technical delay there. So uh, great to see you, Dylan. Thanks for coming on again. Looking forward to it. How's it going, Ansel? Great to see you as well. Cool.
0: Well, hey, for, for the Bitcoiners out there, Dylan is Senior Analyst over at Bitcoin Magazine, as well as UTXO Management. Uh, and Dylan and his team produce an amazing newsletter every single day uh, called The Deep Dive. So check that out. There'll be links in the show notes, uh, as well as you know, if you go to Bitcoin Magazine or Bitcoin Magazine on Twitter or everywhere else, you can find links to that but I guess Dylan, why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little about about your role at UTXO as well as Bitcoin Magazine?
2: Yeah, so um, like CK said, uh, I I am head of market research at, at Bitcoin Magazine and and recently joined uh, UTXO Management, uh, which is a, a Bitcoin fund. I'm look, you know, actively looking to to get alpha on on Bitcoin, the asset, and so uh, we we allocate across. Uh, bitcoin markets and implement various strategies um, just you know sometimes it's just just holding spot Bitcoin and sometimes it is uh, using calls or puts or or various uh, kind of volatility strategies uh, looking to gain a little bit of beta uh, gain a little bit of uh, or, or alpha on, on the bitcoin price itself um, and so you know if that's seeking some downside protection when the market's overheated or not um, we we do things with with a pretty small percentage of of the fund, but looking to kind of um, you know kind of capitalize on on times where we think certain things are mispriced. And so um, I just just joined UTXO pretty recently, about a a month or two ago. Um, but it, it overlaps really well with what we're kind of building out uh, at the deep dive, which is kind of breaking all these things down in real time. And so um, I, today we're going to dig a little bit into uh, the monthly report, which funny enough was released about eight hours before the market absolutely tanked. But, uh, you know, funny enough is that we we highlighted some of the kind of the risk factors in that report. So uh, for anyone that's listening, uh, you know, hopefully
0: to catch or for anyone that was reading, hopefully it didn't catch you completely by surprise. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think that you did, like you said, you did highlight some things. And then since then, you've been putting out a ton of coverage just talking about what is happening. So I feel like you and Sam, again, have been like a really great um, resource in terms of like trying to unpack, you know, what is actually driving these uh, these price swings and the volatility?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, you know, with what we're looking at, uh, we do we do a little bit of a better job than say, you know, your Mad Money on CNBC or the kind of the legacy world in in terms of trying to actually understand why this volatility expresses itself, uh, why certain things occur, and, and what actually drives the price of Bitcoin over the long run. And you know, some of these some of the stuff that we use with on chain analytics, that's more of a, a Zoomed out view, month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, we see these huge trends unfold. Uh, and in the shorter term, it's it's more so, you know, derivatives, uh, equity market correlations, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, happening in real time. We like to just give both the the zoomed in perspective as well as the zoomed out perspective.
1: So Dylan, what's the um, at the top of your report? You have the executive summary. So what um, in November and the first two weeks of December? Can you give us what your big uh, thirty thousand foot view is of the Bitcoin market. Yeah,
2: so um, kind of zooming out over the course of Bitcoin, you see these, uh, especially with with kind of the on chain metrics, you see these these pretty big uh, trends unfold where you can almost see the bubbles. Uh, you know the the local bubbles, the mini market cycle bubbles, uh, expressed in real time. And so, um, I mean, I could share my screen if we want to kind of look at some of these charts, or I could just kind of explain it. Um, so I can share my screen here. Uh, um, so let's take a look here producers are killing it let's go all right so this um so here we have uh realized price or uh as labeled in the chart it's uh realized cap so so what this is and i think this is kind of this underpins one of the core things that we look at uh realized price realized cap is one of these um really uh really cool metrics that uh, a lot of of these kind of on-chain trends are, are built off of Um, But just to kind of, for the average reader or the average listener to understand, um, market cap is pretty easy to understand. It's just circulating supply times price. Um, But realized cap, uh, because of the transparency of Bitcoin, we can see uh, realized cap is basically the last time every Bitcoin on the network moved, uh, what was the price at that moment? And we can sum it all up and we get the realized cap. And so over time, uh, you can kind of see that realized cap, it really, I mean, it never, sees a significant eighty percent downtrend, like the price of bitcoin it's It's far less volatile, um and you kind of see like the realized cap is almost a pure form of of bitcoin monetizing. We can see this with full transparency and and see it kind of unfold in real time. And so this chart I laid out is color coordinated and and the green uh is when that realized cap, that realized price is is appreciating significantly. It's bending up and to the right in logarithmic scale um uh, and that and the red is actually when realized prices is declining a little bit so what that means if there's realized losses on chain what that's showing is that there's there's top buyers say you bought bitcoin at 20000 in 2017 uh and you you moved it you moved that those coins on chain at 3000 well there's a realized loss there and so uh over the red is is throughout the history of bitcoin when the realized price, that realized cap has actually decreased. And the yellow is when there's been somewhat of a plateau or a slight uptrend, and we kind of call that accumulation or, or pre-parabola. And so um, if we want to zoom in a little bit, we can kind of see uh, a closer view of what's occurring over the last two years. So this is starting in 2020, and we see this kind of realized uh, realized price slowly consolidate and and kind of uh, prime for the parabolic bull market that we saw at the late late months of 2020 and early 2021 um, and and actually in March we saw one of the few times where price actually dips below that realized price that realized cap metric um, and then we saw kind of a bear market and now we're I think we're back in that accumulation phase again um, and so uh, this is kind of one of the the cool metrics we can we can you know look at on chain and this is the ratio of the two and so this really gives you a feel if you, if you look at every market top and you look at every market bottom. Uh, you see some some pretty cool trends here, and so um, you know this is just one metric, uh, but this kind of gives us a feel where we are mid cycle. And I think for me personally, I think we're uh, we're still in the early stages, even though a lot of people think, hey, we're in a bear market or we're we're going to see 20, 30 k. Um, well, that's definitely it, it's not a non it's not a zero percent probability. Uh, what we kind of think at UTXO, what Sam and I are digging into uh, with the deep dives is we kind of think we're still in the early stages of a bull market cycle and the lengthening cycle um, that, that you know, people have, have been increasingly talking about with no blow off top happening this month. Uh, I think that has some merit here as we're kind of basing around 45, 50,000.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I was just going to ask you then uh, where you think we are in the cycle. Um, we talked about this last week and uh, Christian and I are pretty much in agreement that there's going to be repricing events that uh, shorter term or shorter time frame rises, followed by longer consolidations. Um, so what, what do you think of that idea? And does that fit into what you're seeing with these uh, metrics?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think um, kind of the, the rounded top, rounded bottom uh, thesis, if you want to call it, or maybe that shorter cycles, whether it's three to six months, um, I think there's there's merit to that for sure. Uh, it's a lot harder for Bitcoin to go parabolic and see a blow off top and appreciate by two orders of magnitude like it did in from 2015 to 2017 when it went from, you know, two, 200 bucks to 20,000 in the matter of, you know, uh, two years or so. I, I just think with Bitcoin at a $900 billion market cap, it just takes a significant amount of capital for that to occur. And so for for Bitcoin to really blow off, and and the blow off tops uh, are are part of the reason why these bear markets are so long and protracted. Uh, You really, you would need to see an immense amount of capital come in and and that capital is coming, uh, but it's allocating slow. And I think, you know, it's it's, it's just a different market structure than it was in the earlier days. And so um, I, I still expect Bitcoin to see, you know, Parabolic moves uh, and kind of these rapid appreciation phases, Uh, but I think uh, it'll be it'll be more drawn out and it'll be uh, kind of less less not less volatility but less uh, less dramatic than it was in the past.
0: If you want to say that,
1: one of of the things. Hey, sorry, real quick, uh,
0: do we do we want to stay on this chart or um, are we uh, are we done uh, sharing? I had
1: had one more comment on the the uh, realized cap. Is that, um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool because it's like a moving average, but it's a moving average of on-chain metrics. So, that's, that's kind of cool. And, um, gosh, now I just lost what I was going to ask. Uh, um, it'll come back to me. Let's go on to the next chart. Damn. Cool.
2: yeah, so uh, I can pull up some of the on-chain stuff. Um, so this is so this is just kind of a linear uh, version of that chart. Um, so so if we're looking at it in log scale, right? This is this is what the chart looks like. Um, and if you're looking at it in terms of linear scale, what you can kind of see is since since the bottom of the market in in May or uh, yeah in uh, in May of this year, uh, we saw we saw basically Bitcoin the realized cap appreciate by as much as the entire realized cap the entire market valuation in 2017 at the top. So so just in terms of, of how much capital is actually, like, we can see on chain with the ownership, how much capital is flowing into this asset class. Um, it's it's basically been the entire market cap at the top in, in 2017. But it doesn't feel like that because Bitcoin is, is appreciating in an exponential manner and the market is growing in an exponential manner. Uh, but just looking at things in linear terms versus, say, in logarithmic terms, you really kind of you know, it, it gives you a sense of, of what's unfolding, even though it, it doesn't feel like we're going anywhere. Uh, about $700 million uh, of, of realized cap are, are coming out of the market every day on average since the bottom in, in the summer. So uh, just, you know, just for some context there.
1: Um, you know, well, excellent. I wanted to ask about my favorite chart, which is, because um, you have like, I don't know, 20, 30 charts on each of these issues, which is amazing. But um, my favorite chart is the futures open interest. Mm. Can, can we discuss that one?
2: Yeah, so this is, uh, we, have, we have a couple different open interest charts here. We have the USD denominated open interest. Uh, and this is, um, you know, I could pull up the, the, current, uh, the current chart right now where it, it would show actually the, the significant deleveraging. I'll, I'll pull that up right here for you one second. Um, but this is the USD chart. And then this is the the BTC denominated chart. Um, I'm I'm sorry. That's that's uh, the BTC uh, margin chart. One second. I'll pull up the I'll pull up the chart for you real quick on, on Glass so We can get that live chart for you. Um. So here is. Can you see this? Perfect. Yes, sir. So, yeah. So here's. Uh. This is the BTC denominated open interest. Uh, and then versus the USD open interest, it it kind of tells a much different story, right? And so uh, we can kind of see if you denominate a BTC, which basically uh, keeps it it adjusts for for price, right? Uh, with Bitcoin going up or down, um, you can you can see the pretty significant uh, you know liquidation or wipeout out in open interest from say three hundred and ninety thousand Bitcoin all the way down to to about you know three twenty. Uh, so there was a lot of there was a lot of leverage, there was a lot of speculation uh and and that all got wiped out in this recent move and so that's kind of one of the beautiful things about bitcoin is that uh you know any any uh dislocation in the market any anyone that's off sides uh volatility kind of is 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 what wipes out these these players and it's and it's just a you know the price action is is uh takes the way of max pain like you like to say ck Uh, there's no free lunch there's no free rides um and that's and you know that's one of the best parts about this market
1: Yo, what is going on, plubs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's
0: P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout.
3: The world of crypto can seem like the Wild West sometimes. Soaring highs, crashing lows, celebrity shills, and new coins popping up seemingly out of nowhere every day. Look, we get it because we've been there before. At Bitcoin Magazine, we aim to filter out the noise and help newcomers concentrate on the signal. That's why we focus on Bitcoin only. Learning about Bitcoin may seem intimidating at first, but we've worked hard to break things down in a simple and digestible format that anyone can understand. Bitcoin Magazine has launched a free 21-day email course that teaches you about the fundamentals of Bitcoin. You'll receive one new lesson each day that covers a brand new topic as we guide you down the Bitcoin rabbit hole with quick and easy 3-5 to minute reads. Not only do you get the free course, but everyone who completes the quiz at the end will earn some free Bitcoin. Start learning and earning Bitcoin today. Visit b.tc forward slash 21 days to enroll. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, It's...
0: It's it's the opposite of how the traditional market works right now. If you look at what happened during COVID and uh, the uh, big, the beginning of the Corona crisis, is that Bitcoin crashed really really hard all at once, whereas like everything else kind of had um, a lot of uh, you know a lot of stimulus trying to prevent it from like initiating max pain. But since then, you know, Bitcoin and the crypto space in general, uh, because it, it actually is a global free market has really outperformed everything else too, because it, it kind of like it dumped all of its baggage. So that way it was lighter. Um, and I think that that's one of the best things about Bitcoin and why it will continue to outperform. Yes, it may have some painful downturns, but it's because it, it's free market dynamics, it will also have a lot more uh, dramatic upturns as well.
2: Exactly. I mean, so this chart right here is is the is the perpetual fund the futures perpetual funding rate, right? So, uh, perpetual swaps the uh, the futures uh, is not something that's that's very well understood if if you're not kind of immersed in the Bitcoin or the crypto space. But uh, what the, a perpetual futures contract is, it's just a futures contract that never expires and just rolls over, and to keep that price tethered to um, a spot market to say you know if you log on to coinbase and swap dollars fiat dollars for bitcoin um what keeps this kind of synthetic uh exchange rate tethered to the spot index is the funding rate and so uh if if uh this this contract extends far above the the spot market index and they use um you know whether it's bybit or ftx or binance they use um an average of of a lot of spot market rates uh, if if that uh, perpetual swap contract extends far above the spot price, funding will increase by a, wide, by a wide margin. And so what you see here is say, for example, this 0.1% funding rate uh, that's paid every eight hours. Uh, and, and these traders pay that uh, up as a part of their notional position size. And so if you're paying zero point, if you're paying 10 basis points, you know, 0.1% of your notional position size to stay long, you're paying that to shorts. And so, and it, cre- it creates this economic incentive to keep this, this price tethered uh, to the spot index. And so, for example, like, why, why is there such a huge wick after, after that March cascade? Well, essentially, you had a bunch of traders that were betting on the price of going up. The, ha- the halving was coming soon. Uh, and there was just, you know, some overall bullish sentiment. Uh, and all of those traders, all of those positions became forced sellers, so they have to sell their contract. They got liquidated. And what that did was that drove this, this contract far below the spot index. That that it cast those cascading cells drove the price of Bitcoin to 3800 dollars And it was so far below the various spot indexes, it actually pulled it down. And, and, and it paid this this red, these red candles mean that you were paid to go long Bitcoin. You were paid every single eight hours to enter a long contract. And so this is just again, like you were referring to, say CK. Uh, it's just you know, there's a, it's completely free market, and any sort of dislocations, whether it's on the long side or the short side, get resolved. Um, and you know, there there is no free lunch here. That this essentially you can think of these rates as almost the cost of capital, right? If you're thinking of it in, in USD returns, there is there is a yield. Uh, there's a yield that you can get by by being market neutral. There's a yield that you can get for for foregoing your future Bitcoin, and and so. Uh, seeing this kind of develop and unfold in real time is really interesting.
1: Yeah. And a lot of uh, analysts say that, you know, the next leg up can't happen until the funding rate's negative, right? Then uh, they'll tell you that the most pain will occur to the bears if the, if the um, rate is negative.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really great point. Um, You know, essentially what you have, if we just throw on a moving average here to make it look uh look easier right so uh this is just a funding rate and i just threw a 48 hour moving average onto it um and so right what you saw at the bottom in july was there was really really just bearish price action the charts didn't look great at all uh, and there was a lot of people that were very very confident that 30k would break uh, and so traders in the derivatives market went went really really short and so as, and especially with with stable coins as collateral, so they were shorting Bitcoin, and their their margin, their collateral was with Tether, right? And so to cover those shorts, as the price as the price bottomed really hard and, and increased because of spot demand, uh, they had to cover, and their collateral was decreasing against the thing they had to cover against. And so uh, those shorts became forced buyers, and they lost their position size. And so um, you know it would be it would be nice from a from a bulls perspective. To see that funding rate you know turn back negative. Uh, and I think that would be you know a, a solid catalyst for for higher prices, but we haven't really seen that. Uh, we haven't seen that that funding rate sustain negative in, in a while.
1: Do you expect this pullback that we're seeing right now? Um, are you thinking it's gonna look more like July or more like October?
2: Yeah, that's it's pretty interesting. I think uh, we're just we're just kind of Honestly, for the time being, we're going to see some consolidation here. Um, whether that range is is 40, 000, fifty thousand or ranging from here to, to previous all time highs, uh, I think I think the next catalyst, whether uh, it's it's a spot ETF, which I think many people believe are coming, including myself, in twenty twenty two, or the next kind of large stimulus bill. Uh, you know, in this kind of everything bubble, it's just it, the liquidity is, is is a rising tide for all assets, and Bitcoin being Still a pretty small asset at 900 billion dollars, a trillion dollars, um, something around there. Um, you know, it would be it would be a significant boon for Bitcoin to see to see another sort of liquidity crunch, and then you know, following that some stimulus. And so, uh, I suspect kind of right now uh, in, the, in the market, we're just seeing incumbents in the Bitcoin space and the crypto space they're just chopping each other to death. Uh, they're just, you know, tra- bears and bulls. They're, there's just, there's new capital coming in, but it's not, it's not a significant amount to really drive this to a multi-trillion dollar asset class. And so, uh, you know, we're just kind of seeing that just resolved with a lot of choppiness and, and muted volatility.
1: So what if the next macro kind of event, whether that comes out of China and there's some contagion or a European debt crisis of some sort, um, and that comes before this next new catalyst, whether it's an ETF or a STEMI, new Stimi program. Um, what's going to happen to Bitcoin in the meantime? So you're just saying it's going to be you're, – you're, you're thinking sideways and maybe slightly leaning downward until we get a new catalyst?
2: yeah so i mean i i I mean not to call not to be not to be a bear by any means, but I think uh just in terms of you know potential windfalls for the price of bitcoin there's a few things so right here um, and so i'm I'm sure you're very familiar with this this is the december twenty twenty two euro dollar futures, and so uh, the euro dollar market is essentially just an offshore dollar market uh, and for the december uh twenty twenty two contract this is the euro dollar market is essentially just um predicting the Fed funds rate, right? So, uh, with the Euro dollar futures at, at 99, uh, that's essentially, that's essentially saying or betting, uh, that the Fed's fund rate will be hundred basis points in, uh, December of 2022. So that's predicting three rate hikes. And so, you know, uh, hundred basis point Fed funds rate when inflation is six or 7%, doesn't sound too crazy. Uh, but what you're seeing over the course of 2021 is that the dollar is strengthening against a bunch of other fiat currencies. And so, um, you know financial crises uh you know financial tightening uh this happens when the dollar is is strengthening relative to this basket and what what happens is foreigners have to become uh sellers of dollar denominated assets to cover dollar denominated liabilities and so um you know this isn't this isn't the do all end all for, for the bitcoin price as bitcoin is kind of uh you know as this chart shows it's it's undergoing its own monetization process regardless of 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 what the dollar does, but over the short term, right? Say for example, during COVID, we see we see there can be some significant volatility that expresses itself in the Bitcoin market. And so these are just some things, whether whether it's you know the Fed hiking rates three times or tapering off their asset purchases. Um, this is some things that you know give us cause for pause and say that you know over the over the short to medium term, it'll be very hard for Bitcoin to go parabolic in the sense that a lot of people thought it would uh, in December, you know, the, the year and a half after the having, like it, like it has traditionally, because it is just much more of a macro asset. It's just a much larger asset class. And to to really see this, this asset go parabolic, you need tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of inflows.
1: Well, eventually we want this asset to become a safe haven, right? So uh, traditionally, Bitcoin is well, not traditionally, over the last couple of years, Bitcoin has been seen as a risk on asset, like uh, supposed to correlate to uh, the S&P 500 versus um, bonds or something. But uh, eventually we want it to be a safe haven asset. Do you see that happening anytime in the next year or two or how long is that process in your mind?
2: Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, Bitcoin is kind of navigating this uh, this path of being a risk on asset in the eyes of people that are, that are trying to, you know, trade and speculate in the everything bubble, right. With yields everywhere, the cost of capital everywhere is, is essentially zero, right. So um, Bitcoin as, as this new monetary asset, uh, there is lots of speculation that occurs in these markets and and more, more specifically in, in crypto markets in general. Right. Um, And, you know, even though a lot of, a lot of say hardcore Bitcoiners don't care or, or, Don't want to care about, say, some something happening in with altcoins. uh, What you see is a lot of this speculation and and other sorts of things actually affect the Bitcoin price as well, right? If if alts are all over levered, um, you can see that expressed in the Bitcoin exchange rate. And so uh, right now, Bitcoin it's just a function of everything bubble liquidity. But increasingly, uh, you know, kind of the barbell of perpetual inflation or deflation um, that everybody's trying to navigate. I think what you see is that Bitcoin is a safe haven and the the narrative is it's an inflation hedge, but increasingly uh, as the everything bubble becomes more and more kind of engorged and, and at a point of no return, I think it'll be a safe haven against the deflationary side of things where the exchange rate might get hit, but Bitcoin will maintain your purchasing power as well as, you know, it's a, it's a way for you to have your own property rights. That is is not at the whims of any counterparty risk. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be very tough for Bitcoin to outperform, uh, you know, BTC USD to pump if the dollar, the denominator in that equation is pumping. Um, and I think that's that's what's actually happening when assets sell off is the dollar is, is bidding. Um, and so, you know, to see Bitcoin outperform in that scenario, I think it's a little too early for that. Um, but increasingly, it's becoming adopted regardless of, of you know, the, like liquidity or anything else by people all over the world, and so that's occurring under the surface. But you know, in the meantime, it's still at the whims of of liquidity and and the, kind of the credit bubble.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Dylan, thanks so much for sharing all of this. And I feel like uh, I, for the most part, really agree with uh, the long term vision and and you know, kind of how Bitcoin plays in as a safe haven. Uh, on this show, we've described kind of what's happening in the world right now. It's not inflation, not deflation, but it's a monetary hurricane. You know, it's just like, honestly, utter chaos because the system is that out of whack. And the people who are like, supposedly controlling it, really, they don't they don't have very fine-tuned dials on the economy. It's a, it's a much more rudimentary way of kind of, you know, manipulating and impacting uh, how the system works. And in my opinion, it just creates chaos. And what Bitcoin is is just signal within that chaos. It takes entropy and it turns it into ten-minute blocks, and it's it's just pure order. Uh, so I think I can't imagine something being a better store of value than that in the long run. Uh, but between now and then, potentially we could. You know, I, I know you know a lot of people think that Bitcoin is going to get less volatile in the immediate term. I had a really interesting Spaces conversation last week with Luke Mickic. Uh, talking about how you know if we are going to have this S curve, it's going to get a lot more volatile when uh, when people you know have this panic of realizing that they don't have enough Bitcoin and and uh, value needs to flow into the protocol. Um, so that is something that it's difficult for for humans to even think about what that kind of parabolic uh, increase is going to look like. And you know, Bitcoin might be a, a multi trillion dollar asset before that even happens. So uh, it could be a very different beast. Ansel, I know that you had a bunch of uh, macro headlines, especially regarding uh, Japan repo that you wanted to hit on. Uh, Maybe you can hit on some of this news and Dylan can react and then we can close this one out.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So on FedWatch, we like to go around the world and look at the major central banks and what they're doing, not just concentrating on the Fed. And um, overnight, it looks like yesterday, actually, uh, Japan, Did an emergency liquidity injection uh, through the repo market. So I'll just read this out here from zero hedge a sudden panicky surge in Japanese repo rates prompted the Bank of Japan to unleash a rarely used tool in an attempt to tamp down any liquidity crisis before it accelerates repo rates surged early in the day to their highest in two years. Though this is not that unusual, given the year-end timing, it is notable in terms of the sudden velocity of the move. Specifically, BOJ offered to buy 2 trillion yen of government bonds under repurchase agreements. Uh, Despite drawing down 100 trillion yen in offers to sell at the BOJ's capped rate, the repo rate still climbed, as did the Japanese T-bill yield. Uh, as Bloomberg reports, this is the first time since 2006 that the authorities have conducted a repo operation to buy bonds that start on the same day as the announcement. So um, my kind of initial reaction to this is that it's contagion of some sort out of China. I know that Japan is right there next to China. They they are likely very heavily invested into the Chinese real estate market, and uh, I would expect the first kind of uh, international exposure to be seen in Japan so perhaps this is a contagion out of China. Dylan do you have any uh, initial thoughts on this?
2: Yeah I hadn't seen that um, until you just mentioned it but I, I think it's interesting to see kind of what's unfolding with um, you know not only we've talked a lot about the Evergrande situation in the, in the past uh, reports and I think uh, you're seeing a lot of weakness in, in um, kind of Industry names uh, in China, whether it's it's housing developers or construction uh, kind of companies, they're all kind of cascading in, in their defaults and and their uh, and the weakness in their you know equity and, and debt, and so um, this is kind of what a the start of a contagion event would look like. And I think China is increasingly uh, okay with kind of letting a lot of these you know weaker uh, weaker names, weaker industries kind of, uh, fold a little bit and it may maybe nationalize them or take, take a little bit more control. And so, um, you know, there's definitely some spillover effects and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with the United States, Japan, a lot of these, um, you know, big, uh, international powers, uh, with, with, in terms of the contagion, uh, and what happens there.
1: Awesome. And I have one more, uh, thing that'll take about 30 seconds. Can I share my screen here real quick? All right. Um, this is going to be the overnight repo rate out of the Fed or the the volume of overnight repo that they're doing is going back up to all-time highs. It looked like it could be cooling down here a little bit, but it is back at all-time highs. And this is happening as Japan is experiencing problems and as uh, all the stuff that we've just. Uh, Uh, discussed over the last several weeks happening in Europe. I think this is a significant indicator of stress in the system. That's all I have. I'll stop sharing screen.
3: All right, back to you, Christian. Yeah, I mean, y'all,
0: I think this is really great information. um, And ultimately, you know, the most important thing is, one, Bitcoin is a macro asset that's playing out across the globe. So you know, while you know the world is currently on the dollar system and everyone really does focus on what's happening with the Fed and, and what Jerome Powell is saying, uh, there's a lot more going on as well. Um, so it's important to, you know, have a really holistic view. I think between FedWatch and Deep Dive, these are great, you know, channels in order to get that information. FedWatch really focusing on what's happening in macro, and then deep dive is what's happening in Bitcoin and across. Uh, you know, the entire vertical and in all the areas that affect Bitcoin. Um, Dylan, I guess, just to close it out, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about uh, the specific deep dive kind of products? I know there's a couple of tiers on the email newsletter, um, and uh, there's several people actually working to put out uh, that quality information. Yeah, so, um,
2: you know, you can just... Uh, on Bitcoin Magazine website or, might say, my Twitter bio, you can uh, find the link to the deep dive. I think it'll be linked under this YouTube show. Uh, we have free and paid tiers, so the free tier gets uh, an update about every once a week, and we will release the monthly report uh, a few days or a week after the fact uh, to all subscribers. Uh, and then we have that paid tier, which we, we send out about 20 pieces a month uh, in-depth, uh, on-chain derivatives. Uh, we, we incorporate some of this macro analysis as well, uh, to try to keep everyone up to date about what's happening. So, uh, if you enjoyed any of this, make sure to check it out, uh, and uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I mean, in all those charts that you shared with us, you know, those charts are from the report, right? Like that—that that monthly report incorporates pretty much all the information, and we didn't even touch on all of it. Yeah, we we put
2: about thirty-five charts in the monthly report, breaking everything down and kind of you know changing market dynamics and all that. So, uh, and it's and it's more depth in depth than we can kind of cover just talking quickly here on this uh, on this chat so you know if you liked it make sure to check it out and uh, the monthly
0: report is open for anybody that wants to to go check it out after the fact right now all right awesome well everyone check out the deep dive check out ansel linder at ansel linder check me out at ck underscore snarks let's go to the next programming